Hello and uh, a very warm welcome to you. This is the Financial Freedom Podcast delivered with personality by the team from Rachel Bell Wealth Management along with their special guests. Now we have reached the end of season two of the podcast. It's it's very sad, although we've had a fantastic time over the last 10 weeks discussing all sorts of issues linked to financial planning with you. Now today I'm joined in the studio by practice principal Rachel. Hi Rachel. Hello James. And financial advisor Abigail. Hello James. Hi Abigail. Now before we get on with uh, this podcast, I just need to let you know that the discussion points we cover are our own views or those of the guest speakers and do not constitute financial advice. We always recommend that you speak with a professional before considering your own situation and taking action. Now, over the course of the last 10 weeks, we've discussed all sorts of different topics with a number of special guests. And today we decided to do things a little bit differently. And we're going to look at some very common myths linked to financial planning and share with you our views on why those myths are not quite correct. Rachel and Abigail are going to play a bit of myth tennis and Rachel is going to serve the first ace. So, (laughs) Rachel, here's the first one. Financial planning is only for the wealthy. Over to you. Absolutely not. Uh, So financial planning is not only for the wealthy. What we strive to do is to help you acquire wealth and have a plan so that you can build um, wealth, you can make the best use of um, your income and we can plan around your life so that you squirrel away quite nicely and build up so that you acquire wealth yourself. So, but, but typically there must be an element of a pension pot or, or, or some funds in savings or investments for people to get in touch with you in the first place though. No, um, and, and I do, I'll you give you an example. So there's quite a few younger professionals that we work with that they've not had enough time to build up a pension pot or savings uh, or investments and things like that, but they have got good levels of income. So when they've got good levels of income, what that means is that if we have a plan, then we can start saving on a regular basis. So you can save on a regular basis and then you get the benefit of a lot over the long-term savings to build up that pot and to make a start. And again, for people that are self-employed that might have never done um, pension planning or savings because it's all been focused on their business in the early years and things like that, then it's about saving them tax and starting to put money away for future self. Did you see how I skillfully crafted a myth within the myth? I'm not fast enough to click on them. You've essentially done a double myth bust in there, Rachel. Okay, so uh, very well done, very well done. Um, okay, thank you for that. That's great. You, you, you've touched uh, ever so slightly there on, on the next myth, which Abigail, I'm going to ask you to tackle, which is I am too young to need a financial plan. Yeah, I don't agree with that one. I think, I think forming good habits when you're younger is so valuable. Um, and also having an understanding of what financial planning is. So a lot of work I do is financial education, the workplace and, and things like that. And it's, you know, what is a pension? What does interest rate on savings mean? What is debt? What does interest on loans and, you know, liabilities mean? And I think by getting an understanding, you know, 
auto enrolment, saving monthly into pensions, that's starting your financial planning and actually saying, well, what could that mean when I'm 60? How much could that money be when I'm 65? And I think, yeah, I think it's not a case of being too young for a financial plan. I think the sooner you get a grip of your finances, understand your finances, is the sooner you can make informed choices and have more control over your finances. Do you think the the uh, Gen Z mm-hmm. are more tuned into the need for financial planning than perhaps previous generations have been? I think it's surprising how many people that are Gen Z say, I don't want to work till state pension age. What do pensions mean? What is my pension going to be worth when I'm 60? I think there is a bit more of an an awareness or maybe that I want to have the lifestyle my parents have. You know, I, I do think naturally you would assume younger people aren't thinking about those things, but just through the people are coming in front of they do think about it more than there's more of a i think there's more of a a focus on quality of life as well rather than material aspect um so if if they've seen the mum and dad work crazy hours for until state pension age i think part of that has come through the pandemic as well where Mm -hmm. people revisit what's important to look at the fundamentals of what do i actually want Um, and and the key part of that is being aware um, of, of what you want so that's where the planning comes in even when you're young fantastic okay let's keep this relatively quick fire rachel financial planning is the same as retirement planning what say you i can really understand where that question comes from but again the answer is no um, so retirement planning if you are very young can seem far too long in the distance uh, financial planning might include retirement planning, but it's certainly not the be all and end all. So a good financial plan will include everything, which is saving, investing, cash, tax efficiency, um, looking at making sure you've got an up-to-date will in place and a full holistic view of, uh, of your circumstances, your needs and objectives, whether it's closer to retirement or not. Okay, super, super, super. Very, very succinct. All right. So here's one for you. I don't need a financial plan because I always make good financial decisions day to day. I think with that one, you know, it's day to day, I always make good financial decisions. It might seem like a good financial decision at that time, in that moment, but over the long term, is it a good financial decision? Have you taken all aspects of your life into consideration? So for example, you might think, yes, I know interest rates, um, might start to go down. I've noticed you can't get them as, as good on savings. So I'm going to put all my life savings into this. That's such a good financial decision because I've noticed they've started to go down. But then actually um, you made redundant or something like that. And then, yeah, that day and in that moment, you might have thought that, yes, that's a good financial decision, but you've been made redundant and now you've got absolutely no savings to fall back on. So I think sometimes you need to take a step back, have some balcony time. And that's helpful when you've got someone doing it with you where they can take all aspects into account and think about the wider things that you'd maybe not considered. What's balcony time? Just where you take time to have a bit of a step back, look at everything, consider everything, just mm-hmm. reflection time. You get a different view from a balcony than you do on the floor. Very good. Never ever heard that phrase before. And I consider myself a wordsmith. 
Um, yeah, I guess what you're talking about there is a moment in time, what you might do in a moment in time that feels right when you take a step back and look at the bigger picture actually might not have been right at all yeah. because you've not viewed that decision in, in, in the context of everything else going on in your life. Yeah, exactly that. Get you. Okay. Rachel, financial planners are very expensive or financial advisors are very expensive. Getting value from your financial planner is what's most important. And most of the time, if you find like us, then a chat over a cup of tea is very much on us, um, you know, efficiently. So building a financial plan should deliver value that exceeds the cost. And presumably at all points in the process, a financial advisor is going to make a potential client aware of what the costs right might from the be. start james right from the start we go through all of the costs involved um we want to be as transparent as possible to make sure that you know what you would pay when you would pay it how it's paid um, and what the ongoing costs are as well so not only when you're first going on your journey but we remind you at all stages to make sure that you know that there are still fees at play uh, with the underlying investments that you've got or with your pension or with the services, how it works. It's easy to make financial advice look cheap, but our job is to make it transparent so that you know what you're paying. But most importantly, we want to make sure that you're getting value for that as well. Very good. Very good. Uh, Abigail, over to you. Financial planning is just investing. There's so much more to it. And that's why when you sit down with a financial advisor such as us, you'll get asked questions about everything. So, you know, elements that I do that aren't just investing is protection, protecting yourself against financial risk, protecting you and your family against financial risk, whether that be in the form of life insurance um, and things like that. And also something that we've spoken about on previous pods is later life planning. Um, you know, how are you going to fund care fees and things like that? And what's the best way to fund those care fees? Are you going to be able to get the home that you want and things like that? So it's not just a case of sitting down and investing. It's looking at all of your assets. Are you protected against everything? Um, and how are you going to sort of make your goals happen? Which sometimes is investing, but not always. It's much wider and much broader than that. It almost feels like it's life planning. It is. It very much is life planning, but it's it's like um, investing is is the easy bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know that that's a vital part of it. But building the plan to fit your life exactly as that, James, is is the priority. The investing comes second. And as well, it's what are you investing in? Yeah. Um, and why? What product will it be invested in? And yeah, there's lots of different things other than just the investments alone. Okay. So if I was to say then that financial planning is the same for everyone, so you've just got a tick box of questions you need to ask and processes you need to put in place and then that's job done. Rachel, what would your response to that be? I would say everybody is so different. The fundamentals of planning are the same in terms of you take the individual, you want to look at protecting what they've got, building for the future that they want, um, and making sure that the plan remains appropriate and suitable. So there's a series of questions that we need to know the answer to, obviously, but the individual story and the individual journey is so unique. Uh, and we're always surprised um, and we're always 
challenged in many ways as well by different aspirations that people have and how it fits. So the, the journey for each client is very different. But yes, there are processes to make sure that everybody's protected and looked after and things are done properly, which you would want to make sure is the case. Okay. So Abigail, I've got a plan and I'm now set for life. So I've spoken to a financial advisor. I've got my plan. Now I'm done. Life happens and circumstances change. You know, you, you, you set out your plan at the start, but it does need to adapt and work with you. And that's why it's so important to have reviews. Um, and even if, you know, your plan maybe essentially stays the same, what you're invested in might need to change or your attitude to risk and how comfortable you are with market volatility and things like that need to be adapted and discussed and, and spoken through really. Um, yeah, so for example, for myself, my plan at age 28 is going to be completely different, I'm assuming, to my plan when I'm 60. So it just needs to change because your objectives and your goals are going to change and your concerns and your worries are going to change as well. Rachel, I know a bit about the markets. I know where I want to be in life. So I can just put together my own financial plan and crack on. Brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant that you've given a lot of thought to that. Um, what we would want to look to do is to just give you a different view and a different perspective and see if there's any value that we can add to helping you either achieve that those goals sooner or if there's any points that we've perhaps looked at that you aren't aware of um, and really kind of get your plan so it is all singing, all dancing and that we can kind of continue the dialogue to make sure that that remains the case but really big brownie points for already giving that some thought and attention yourself. Okay. So some interesting myths there that when we had a look on Google about major myths linked to financial planning came up time and time and time again. Over the course of the last 10 weeks, what's struck me when we've been together and when Pam's been with us in the studio and when we've had special guests most of them aligned to the business in some way, either as a client mm -hmm. or as um, an advisor that you sometimes use, is the approach to financial planning that this company takes that is really f significantly removed from what my traditional view or from what my view on financial advisors has been over the years in the sense that financial advisors um, and men in suits uh, can be, financial advisors can be overbearing, financial advisors can be intimidating. All of the things that I thought I knew or were my preconceptions about financial advisors uh, have just proven not to be the case time and time again with the team at Rachel Bell Wealth Management. And Rachel, I'd like to ask you to share with us in this final part of season two, some of the things that motivate you to operate in the way that you do as a business owner, as a businesswoman, and as a financial advisor? Um, that's a big question, James, and I'm really happy to, uh, to answer that in be the best way I can. And I think actually that's part of the trick is that we're all human. We're, we all make mistakes. We all have our own challenges, which we either wear on our sleeves sometimes or we don't. 
Um, everybody's going through their own battles and has got their own story. And it's a real privilege for us to be part of that story. And I don't underestimate that. And I always remember when I was first learning, I'm not somebody who is traditionally academic. I've had to work hard to pass all the qualifications of the exams. And I always think about how I would understand something if somebody put it across to me. And I try to make it a real journey. So instead of using a graph as an example, it's more about what the content of that graph means to that person. So you can sit and talk about pensions all day long, but it might not mean anything unless I say what it's going to do for you. So it's having a shift of perspective to bring it alive for somebody. And that is what drives you. When you get, when you sat in front of somebody and you see them go, oh, or you think, oh, I'm all right. So when we've done the cash flow modeling and when we invest the time and everybody, a lot of people that know me know that I'm quite kind of anti-corporate mentality. We have a long-term view with all of our clients we look at making sure that we add value and that we want the reputation that we've built to continue because we do the right thing. And our why, which does really explain all of it, is I do this to make a difference to people's lives through real financial planning. And, and that extends to the team then, because you've got a fantastic team. Abigail is with us today in the studio. Pam, who's joined us over the course of the pod. Gemma, um, who we don't really see in, in, in the pod studio. And... She's very instrumental to the team. <laughs> um, you know, so, so that, that team then presumably shares and buys into these values. Because it can't, just, it can't just be you. No, it can't. It can't you know, and, and we're all good at different things and... Thankfully, we're all bad at different things. But what we do is we recognize each other's skills and celebrate that um, in a way. So I couldn't do any of what I do without any of the team. Um, you know, so Pam often keeps me organized. Gemma certainly keeps us organized. Um, Gemma looks after and makes sure that everything we do is safe. Everything is delivered uh, best practice. Our documentation, our compliance behind the scenes is way way beyond any legislation requirements you know and, that, and that's important to us because we want to be seen as a safe pair of hands we've got Katrina now who is supporting Pam and uh, Gemma and Abigail is just like a sponge she you you love being part of the journey for clients and that's fundamentally what drives you is to just be able to work with somebody and get to know the person um, none of it is transactional and I think yeah it, it, it's it's the people that it's great I mean yesterday I was with a business owner learning about how potentially they're creating safety measures or safety technology that's going in the latest fighter jets or submarines and he was so passionate about that you, you just become passionate yourself about what somebody's doing and want to be part of supporting them in achieving it. I think for me, it's the human side of things as well and, and sometimes the vulnerability. So, you know, you just said there, we're all good at different things, which you would expect any business owner to say, but you then followed it up with something that I wouldn't necessarily expect a business owner to say, which is that we're all bad at different things as well. 
and just being able, you know, saying a sentence of that nature to me displays a, a real level of honesty and genuineness because a lot of business owners won't say that, wouldn't even consider saying it. I'm not going to lie, James, I've had to kind of work quite hard to be able to um, say that myself without beating myself up about things. But I've learned now that the the reality is that it's all right not to be good at everything. If you try and be good at everything, you can end up being good at nothing. Um, And that the only failure really is if you don't try we can learn so much and, and <laughs> Abigail rolls her eyes out loud when I will say, now what are you going to learn from this? And it's all right not to get it right. So I want the, you know, our environment for um, for the team to be a safe place to get things wrong and, and to not have that judgment call. I mean, don't, it, it might not be the ideal um, at times, but we all do it. Fundamentally, it's how you move forward from that. And as a team, we talk about making difference of one percent and moving forward at one percent we're not going to change the world overnight and i wouldn't ask anything of somebody else that i can't do myself and i know my own mental health challenges i know now and i'm a lot more aware of my own capability and when i need to rein myself in and sometimes that's that's what i need to do and i want to be able to support all of the team to be able to do that themselves as well um, and that's what, you know, even before COVID, so we've always done flexible working. We've always um, had that approach where you just be yourself. And that's brilliant because that's why you're part of the team. Okay. We have our meltdowns occasionally as well, mind. It's not, it's, it's, we're painting a pretty perfect picture, but the reality is that it doesn't go okay, but that's all right too. Well, I, I think that's just business, and I, you know, I always say about thirty-two West that generally speaking, we're a happy team, mm-hmm. and I think I believe we're a happy team, and and it's possible to paint a picture of we're a happy team, and we've got a staff bonus scheme and a staff loyalty scheme, and we do all these days out together, and you know, we meet once a month and and what have you. But I'm also I'm also at pains to mention to people that not everyone gets up and skips through a field of daisies every day <laughs> because that's just not life. No. You know, generally speaking, we're a happy team, but we're all going to have our off days. We're all going to have our days when we just want to pull the duvet over our head and, and not get out of bed. Because that's... Because that's life and that's reality, isn't it? But yeah. But if you can maintain in general terms a happy and motivated team and that that has so much benefit when it comes to to your clients i think people you know talk about gen z um and things like that earlier on i think people know when you're not authentic i think people know um if there's kind of something that's not quite right or or, or genuine and i also Think that people don't expect you to get it right all the time either uh, and to kind of share for me if, if i'm learning from something you know, and I, I love listening to a lot of different podcasts part of the podcasts that i would really like to understand and that i learn a lot from is when i hear where things have gone wrong or where things haven't happened how they would want to happen and how they've recovered from that and i think there's an expectation from people to just be yourself 
and I guess bringing it full circle. And the reason I ask this question is because we talk a lot about the, the financial advice aspect of what you do. And I think the personality of the team comes across in these podcasts, actually. Mm-hmm. But the reason I asked the question I asked around, you know, what motivates you is because I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And bringing it back to what you just said there, I think is, is spot on. If, if, if more people run the business that way, then well, the world will be a better place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. So we'll leave it there. Um, myths debunked. Some great insight into why you do what you do, which I think is really important. This brings season two to a close. Oh my goodness, it just seems... It's just gone so quickly. It Another has. whirlwind with our podfather. <laughs> <laughs> it has, it has. Our audience figures have continued to grow. We, we've seen some great results. And even when we're not out there with new podcast material, we're still getting people coming to the Financial Freedom Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Blueberry, our hosting platform to, to have a listen. And that, that feels really good. This content is, uh, is timeless in many cases. And hopefully it has a positive impact on people's lives. So Rachel, thank you uh, for everything you do in terms of investing your time and your energy into this. Abigail for joining us for this and other pods in the season. It's been a pleasure as ever. Thank you very much. I need to let you know that the value of an investment with St. James's Place will be directly linked to the performance of the funds you select and the value can therefore go down as well as up. You may get back less than you invested. The levels and basis of taxation and release from taxation can change at any time. The value of any tax relief depends on individual circumstances. Will writing involves the referral to a service that is separate and distinct to those offered by St. James's Place and along with auto-enrolment products are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Rachel Bell Wealth Management is an appointed representative of and represents only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services, more details of which are set out on the group's website, sjp.co.uk forward slash products. SJP approved January 4th, 2024.